Uh, as you think about this last year, uh, we've seen a lot of talk on sort of the, the corporate nature of our society. We've, we've talked about it in our church. Where are we going as a church? What is our church doing? We've heard the mantra over the, the past two years, we can do this. We're in this together. And whether you believe that or not, that's what has been said. And so what I want to talk today really is not about we, it's more about you. I want to talk about personal revival today. Uh, personal revival. Actually, I'm going to give you 10 elements today of personal revival that you can have in 2022. On Christmas Eve, I spoke primarily to unchurched people and unbelievers, and today I'm speaking primarily to Christians on this message, on this day. This should be an encouragement for personal revival in all of our lives, to live the best Christian life that we can. I think we all know what it's like to be depressed, to feel deadened to the beauty of the world, far from God's presence, off mission, flailing about looking for God's will and purpose in your life. I think everyone who's been a Christian longer than a few months knows exactly what that feels like. And it's in those times when we're in that mode that we need personal revival. Now, revival is often a, a word that is used, tossed around to mean an evangelistic service, right? That's the old school definition. If you have a revival, what you really mean is we're gonna try to convince all of our unbelieving friends to get in this room and I'm gonna preach at them, right? That's what the old word for revival kind of means. But the word revival, strictly speaking, means that there was a time in your life when there was once life and something has happened where that has sort of fizzled and faded and you need to be revived. So unless you on January 2, 2022 are operating at peak capacity, anybody operate just saying I'm the best I've ever been today, right now, anybody? I'm, I can't improve, nothing, I'm, I'm there. I'm at the mountaintop. Okay, so unless that's you, you could use some revival in your life. You could use a little something, right? So I have identified several areas that we're going to discuss today. Some of them are the obvious ones, and you could write this outline for me. And then hopefully there's a handful of things that might make you think. So uh, my hope is that you're encouraged to greet this new year with a fresh passion for the Lord and his mission. So before we look at the scriptures, pray with me. Our Lord, our God, it is our hope today that this is not uh, a message that comes across as a list of rules or something to make us feel beaten down or worthless or like failures, but God, that by your spirit, this would be an encouragement to us uh, to, to receive the revival that, Lord, you want to give us that you want our spirits to feel renewed and refreshed to take on this new year uh, for your kingdom and for your glory. So, Lord, we ask that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to begin by reminding us of some things we already know. As a Christian, we're made up of a body, a mind, a soul, and we've got the Holy Spirit in there. So the Bible says our bodies are temples of the Spirit, that we're to be renewing our minds, and that there's no value in gaining the world but losing our soul, right? So those are all Bible words. Now here's the part that sometimes we forget. All of those things are connected to one another. They all play off of one another. 
It's the house of cards and they all lean on and touch one another. So everything we do in our life has an effect, yes, on one part of us, but in reality, it will affect all of us. For example, if you sin against your body, will there be an effect on your mind at some point? Yes. If you grieve the Holy Spirit continually, will something happen to your soul? Yes. If you engage in a sin of the mind, is it likely that one day that will manifest in your body? Yes. So all of that means we're, we're going to be looking at elements of revival in our life, and you're going to see some things are related to body, some are mind, some are soul and spirit, because they're all connected. All of these things play into whether or not we are walking in the, uh, the path that the Lord has for us. So the first thing that I want to give you as an element for revival in 2022 is number one, assess your prayer life. To assess your prayer life. Shock of the century. You didn't know that one was coming, did you? Blindside, boom. Can I ask a question for you to answer in your heart? Don't answer this out loud. How was your prayer life in 2021? How would you grade yourself if you were a teacher looking at the test of your life? Now, this list I'm giving you today is not something that's in particular order. It's kind of out of order, but I can't think of a better number one than your prayer life. And you might say, you know, I, look, I'm just going to tell you for me in my life, there is a direct correlation between my spiritual health and my prayer life. Any of you like that? When, you're, when life is going well and you're walking with the Lord, you're praying. But conversely, when things are dark and, and it's not very good and, and you feel far from the Lord, you pray less, don't you? That's exactly how I am. And so you might say, okay, pastor, let's pray more. What does it look like? Are we talking morning prayer, bedtime prayer, meal prayers, informal prayers, set aside time in the prayer closet, Wednesday night at church, with people, by yourself, sharing requests with others? Or what, what is it? Now, the best answer I can give you to all those questions is yes. The answer is yes. David said in Psalm 5.3, oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. He prayed it at morning. Did he pray at evening? Well, Psalm 63, 6, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. David prayed at morning and night. Jesus said in Matthew 6 not to impress people publicly with your big, fancy, fluffy prayers. That's not the goal of prayers, to impress other people. We also know, however, Jesus went away for hours and hours and spent alone time with the Father. So there's your argument for the prayer closet. Jesus told us when we pray to pray with faith, with expectation, believing that God knows what we need before we ask, but still to ask as if he's going to give it to us. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. So there answers your question, is it a one time a day thing? Is it, no, it, without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.1 to pray for other people. He says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people. So it's not just for you. Prayer's not just for you. James 5.16 says that we are to be praying in groups and for the confession of sin. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So the Bible is clear. While there are many times and ways and emphases on prayer, the main thing is that you not neglect it. That's the main thing. 
Maybe you've got an ongoing dialogue with God throughout the day and you're really good at those popcorn prayers. Maybe you can grow by structuring yourself a bit more and having a prayer list and having a time of the day when you pray. Maybe you're disciplined in the morning and evening for your prayers, but you need to be a little more spontaneous. Maybe you're not good at the spontaneous prayers, and unless it's the sit-down time, you don't really think about the Lord during the day. Maybe you don't know how to pray, and you need to spend some time studying the Psalms, as we've done on Wednesday nights for a long time. The Psalms should flavor our prayer life. This I know, prayer is probably the single easiest thing to neglect in your busy schedule and to rationalize that you don't need it. Because that's what Satan tells us. We tell ourselves, prayer's not really doing anything. That's, you know, I'm not really, when I pray, I'm just kind of sitting there thinking. And, but one, one person always told me, Vance Pittman always, always shared that prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. It's not getting ready for the work. It is the work. You will never have revival in your personal life without prayer. Never. I know, I know you're like me. I've tried to think of ways that can't be true. Is there a way that that might not be true? Is there some combination of things that that might not? No. Without prayer, you will never, ever have personal revival in your life. That's number one. I got to move faster. That's all right. We got 10. All right. That's number one. Number two, assess your scripture reading. All the surprises I'm taking care of up front. Assess your scripture reading. Here's another question for you. Are you happy with your Bible reading and what it was in 2021? Do you feel like reading the Bible for you is on par with what it should be? Maybe you don't know what it should be. Now, the temptation is often to find ways in Bible reading. Again, we're so driven by reward and success we, we can't even think about enjoying it. We've got to start thinking about length and, and, and a number of hours and challenging ourselves with specific reading plans. And by the way, I like reading plans. I'm not against reading plans. But I just know how we are. Where the, Let me just tell you, there's different ways to read the Bible. There's different ways. Sometimes you're reading broadly and you want to hit five chapters at a time and you want to pick up just on the big themes and you want to remember what the story was and that's it. Other times you want to drill down and you want to get into a passage and you want to be looking at words, say, what is, what is the Greek syntactical formation of this particular phrasing? And you want to do that, and that's fine. And that's, I love, that's how I prep sermons, is, is like that. But there's different things that you get out of different styles of reading. I once knew a Muslim man from Africa. We were doing an ESL class, and he had come to learn English, and we were discussing things about his life. I was trying to win him to the Lord. I don't know if he knew that, but I, that's the whole, the whole thing was a charade to lead him to the Lord. But anyway, we really did teach English, but uh, we were discussing his life and his attendance at the mosque and, and he, how he read the Quran, and we were just talking. And He remarked to me quite proudly that he had memorized the entire Quran in Arabic. Now, I was impressed. I mean, I just, I mean that's impressive, right? And then I thought, wait a minute, he's from Africa, uh, the country he mentioned didn't speak Arabic. And so I said, uh, how long have you been speaking Arabic? And he said, oh, I, I don't speak Arabic. I just memorized the Quran in Arabic. I thought, wait, you don't understand what you memorized? He said, no. But it's the original language of the Quran, so we memorize it because it's, we're supposed to. It's, it's, it has value to us spiritually. And I thought, man, I, 
That would be like me memorizing the Greek New Testament and not having a clue what I, what I am saying when I recite it out, out to you. And I say that story to you as an encouragement and as a warning. The, purple of, uh, the, the purpose of Bible reading is not to win an award. It's not to get brownie points. It's not to have a sense of superiority of how much better you are than other people. The purpose is to engage with the meaning of the text and thereby connect with our God. That's the purpose of Bible reading, to worship God through reading. 2 Timothy 3.16 famously says, All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's why you read the Bible. The God of the universe has spoken, and he left us a written record of his word. Now, I know life moves fast. I know you're busy. I know reading is not even that common anymore. But our whole faith is recorded in a book. The whole faith is in a book. And, and we have more resources right now in 2022 to study it well than any Christian who ever lived in any time in history. Perhaps you read with a plan. Perhaps you read a couple chapters a day. Perhaps you read until you get tired at, at bedtime. Perhaps you listen to the audio Bible in the car, on the go. My encouragement to you is to ingest more of God's word this year because I promise it will revive you. That's number two. If you're looking for personal revival in 2022, number three, emphasize personal holiness. Emphasize personal holiness. It's rare and dare I say impossible for someone to experience a revival of God's spirit in their soul while at the same time being completely indifferent toward their own sin. The Bible has ways of saying it, holiness, godliness, walking in the spirit, walking worthy. But essentially all these things mean the same thing. We are to live in a manner consistent with the faith that we profess. We are to live lives that mirror the holiness of God and of our Lord Jesus and of the spirit who is the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's his name. He lives in here and he's holy. So we mirror that by liking what he likes and hating what he hates. And church, our God loves holiness and hates sin. Listen to this encouragement Paul gives to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. He says, for this is the will of God. Now there should be a drum roll after that in the Bible. If you ever make a Bible that has a, you push a button and little sound effects come out of it, this is the one with the drum roll. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Huh. Another way to say it is your holiness. That word hagiasmos, literally, your holiness is the will of God. Now, we know that our holiness is not possible apart from the grace and love and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus. You and I are fundamentally unable to please God in word or deed or thought apart from the blood of Christ. We just sang that. We don't have a religion based on trying hard and good works because Jesus paid it all. Therefore, I, I and you don't have to spend our lives trying to earn God's love by performing. We don't do a little dance and he says, now I love you. No, that's not how it goes. But because we are saved from 
sin and hell and death. Because we are no longer slave to sin, because we are living by faith, because we were bought with a price, we ought to and get to glorify God with our lives. That means we try to honor him. We seek to honor him and do what he likes because we love him and we want to obey him. We don't just avoid sin because it's a law on a page somewhere. We avoid sin because we don't want to disobey our father and grieve him. So if you're a Christian and you're kind of loose with the way you live and you don't really think about the sin in your life and working that sin out of your life, putting it to death, mortifying the flesh, maybe this is your year. Maybe this is your year. Chances are you know your sin. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you, you, you do. That's his job. Maybe you know it's alcohol, pornography, a nasty attitude, pride, greed, fear, something that you know you need to kill and it's been hanging out for far too long. Maybe if you don't know, you need to go ask a friend, go ask a, a, a relative, a loved one, someone close to you. Hey, if I had to kill one sin this year, what would it be? That's dangerous, by the way. But maybe you want to try it. If you're really serious, maybe you want to try it. If there's just one sin in me that just needed to die this year, what do you think it might be? Might have a good conversation. Imagine running the race of life without ankle weights on, without the backpack of sin that you've been carrying I promise you, you don't even know the power that you can sense in your life without the entangling weight of sin around your ankles. That's number three. Here's number four. If you're looking for personal revival this year, number four, engage the mission of God. Engage the mission of God. Perhaps you've thought of yourself, maybe you've thought of this question. This is an honest thought. Maybe you've had it one day. Hey, once I'm saved, why doesn't God just beam me up Scotty? Like, what's the purpose of, why do I just, if the whole purpose, because this is what we tell people, what's the whole purpose of life? And then a lot of times the answer is to get saved. That's the whole purpose of life. Okay, well then once I get saved, why doesn't God just, whoop, I'm gone. Take me. Take me, Lord Jesus. Why not? Because... There's a second purpose to your life that kicks in once the first purpose is taken care of. Once you are saved, you then get a new purpose, and it's to bring as many people with you as you possibly can, to see as many people engage the love and forgiveness and holiness of God as possible, to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. You see, that's a, that's a big command of Jesus in the Bible, to share your faith with others, that's a big part of the Bible, real big part in the New Testament especially. It's pretty much one of the top two reasons why we exist. And so if you, like most Christians, not, not you, but like most Christians, exempt yourself from sharing your faith and just assume someone else will do it, you're going to feel as if you're missing something. You're going to feel off. You're going to be reading the Bible and just saying, man, there's a whole category of stuff here that just doesn't apply to me. I'm not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so, conversely, if you start sharing your faith when you weren't, guess what that's going to feel like? You ever poured gasoline on a fire before at a campfire? It's going to be a lot like that. Matthew 28 says, make disciples of all nations 
First Peter 3 says, be ready to make a defense to anybody who asks. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Acts 1.8 says, you're supposed to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Matthew 5 says that you have to let your light shine before others, not to put it undercover. Telling someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, challenging them to repent, trust in Christ, follow him. Let me just tell you, even if they say, no, get out of my face, even if they say, not interested, you're still going to feel something powerful inside of you, that you obeyed the command of God. You're still going to be jazzed up and juiced up, feel like, oh, yeah, is that as bad as it was? Oh, I get worse than that at work. I can do this. My kids have yelled at me way worse than that. That's not a big deal. You can do this. You can do this. So answer this in your mind. How many people did you share the gospel with in 2021 in such a way that they could have responded and called on Jesus to be their savior? How many? Don't answer. But if your answer is something in the ballpark of zero, maybe one, I don't know. Maybe if you count that one conversation where it kind of went from the weather to Jesus back to the weather. If that's where you're at, I want you to know that if you just share your faith one time for real this next year, it's going to feel like rocket fuel on your faith because you're going to engage one of God's primary purposes for your life. You ever take a dog that's supposed to run and keep him inside chained up all day? What's that dog get like? Frustrated, barking, chewing on his feet, just doing dumb stuff, right? Running in circles. That's what a Christian is like that doesn't know their mission. You just, you start, you start turning on yourself and others and, and you don't, because you're frustrated. You don't, you're not doing what the plan you're supposed to be doing with your life, what God has called you to do. So if you look forward and you engage the mission, God's going to open up a whole new world for you, I promise. That's number four. Number five, I got to move now. Invest in your body and mind. Invest in your body and mind. Now, you might be thinking this is just common sense, Pastor. I could have learned this at, at home. Well, I've come to the conclusion that our world has lost its mind. And so we can no longer take common sense for granted. And so we got to start saying real basic stuff in here, okay? So many of us are depressed, anxious, overweight, and sickly. I said it. Boom. Not none of not, you know, not pointing. I'm just... The collective we, all right? The collective we. Depressed, anxious, overweight, and sickly. A lot of times, purely for self-inflicted reasons. All right? Problems of these sorts will eventually get to your spiritual life. They'll get there. We saw the effects of this. If you don't believe me, what did the COVID lockdowns do to people? If people stay inside and stare at screens all day, we get sick even if we didn't get exposed to germs. We just get sick and depressed and sad and we lose our will to live and we turn into just little, put the hoodie over our head and just turn real white and just look like a ghost staring at your phone all day. That's what's going to become of you. It's all connected. So yes, I want you praying. I want you reading your Bible. But I also think you're going to get a better return. I'm going to talk like a businessman real quick. You're going to get a return on your investment 
if you're simultaneously caring for your body and mind while you care for your spirit. You might need to exercise more. And I'll say I do. So just to clear the air, I do. Okay, I said it. Don't be putting me on YouTube saying he's calling out the congregation for being fat when he's fat. Nope, I said it. All right, I'm with you, okay? You might need to exercise more, not just to look good. And we're not vain like that. It's sometimes you need more energy to serve the Lord. And, and, and when, you're, when you're overweight and sickly, when someone says, hey, let's, let's go out and, and to this church event we're doing, we're going to serve... We're going to serve the food pantry on Saturday. And you say, I don't know, I got to sleep. I got to sleep in that morning. Because you're sick and overweight and, and not feeling good about your life. If you felt good, you might say, yeah, let's go. Let's go. You might need to eat some vegetables this year. Call me mom. You might need to eat some vegetables and salad. You might need to go get in the sunlight. And you know, by the way, if COVID hangs around like they're saying it is, vitamin D seems like a big deal, which comes from the sunlight. So you might want to go take a walk outside. Take that dog that you weren't walking earlier out for a walk, and that'll really get you going. You might need to stop watching, all right, tomatoes. You might need to stop watching so much of the toxic news show that you watch every night. You might need to turn it off. Now, I didn't say if it was Fox or CNN. I didn't say. You, you can pick which one was for you. But if it's making you cynical and angry, and every day you leave your house, you just, I'm going to get those Democrats, you know, or whatever, whatever you do. If that's you every day, it ain't right. That's not good. Your soul's not right. You might need to stop scrolling through social media so much, numbing your mind on endless 10 second, I, I say 10, it's probably two, two second. You ever watch someone under 18 scroll through their social media? It's amazing. These people should, should have been working the operator booth back in the 40s, you know, doing all this sort of stuff. The, the, the thumb speed is incredible. If we could harness the thumb speed, we could solve the nuclear energy problem. If we could just figure out how to get that, I don't know. But I'll just say research shows that if you are on social media for more than two hours a day, you will be depressed. You will be. That's not me. That's a study for two hours, and every hour after two, it exponentially increases the depression. So, all your phones have a screen time. If you got an Apple, like mine, all your phones tell you how long you've been on an app or, or whatever, you can get in there and, and cut it, just say, hey, I don't wanna be depressed. I'll, I'll give myself two hours. Give yourself two hours of social media day because you don't get depressed till after two. So take it as far as you can, right? All right. So. That's five. Let's look at number six. Ways that lead to personal revival in 22. Number six, kind of connected. Work at something with delayed gratification. Work at something with delayed gratification. Our culture rewards instant gratification, meaning that you get what you want instantly. Boom. Social media, I got mad at my instant rice the other day because it took me 90 seconds. Say, come on. <laughs> Social media is based on triggering your dopamine mechanisms in the brain to create a reward and response system by getting notifications and likes and shares. You know they're doing that to you by now. If you don't, come on, open your eyes. They're doing it to you. You're, you're gambling far more than if you ever went to Vegas if you're on your social media. So content is getting shorter and shorter while simultaneously getting more shallow and more meaningless. 
We are training our brains to get easily distracted and to desire a payoff for everything within 10 seconds or else it seems worthless to us. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.11 that we should aspire to live quiet lives, to mind our own affairs, to work with our hands. 1 Timothy 2, he encourages us to lead a peaceful, quiet life. Think about how that description rubs against what social media is, okay? We're not quiet. We seek as much attention as possible. We don't mind our own affairs. Everybody wants to be famous. We don't work with our hands on something real. It's all digital. Our lives on social media aren't peaceful or quiet. They are angry, outraged, and envious of other people. And yet most of us are extremely addicted to this. So how do you rewire your brain? Other than putting the phone down, you got to build something back into your brain. You got to do something that pushes the exact opposite button of what social media pushes. And that is something that requires you to work on something with delayed gratification. So examples, read a long paper book. I know, I know. Work on your car. We got any car people that can just work on the car for hours with your hands? Paint something, draw something, sculpt something, grow a garden. Anybody got a garden at home? You can put some things. Isn't that kind of therapeutic? Kind of, this is, hey, you can't do that quick. If you think instant rice is bad, grow a garden. <laughs> build, build something. I envy the builders in the room. I wish I could just, you know, wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to go to Lowe's. Make me a birdhouse. You know, I just can't. I can't even, I don't even know what to do. Go hunting. Go fishing. Train for a, a 5K. Get some hobby. I don't care. Stamp collecting. Eric can sign you up for the Jelly of the Month Club. I'm still getting jelly. So, <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you do, something that takes a while, something that causes you to slow down. Have a game night with your family. Get, get, get out. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about on the screen. You know, I'm talking about go get some cranium or Monopoly. Go play eight hours of Monopoly. You'll hate each other afterwards, but, but you'll be better for it, right? Jenga, I don't know. Do whatever you got to do. Find something. All right, that's number six. Number seven, a way to experience personal revival. Number seven, prioritize your family. Prioritize your family. Here's another question if you're feeling like you need a personal revival in, in 22. Did you rightly prioritize your family in 2021 as God would have had you to do? If you're married, did you, did you love your spouse like you should have? Did you take them out and enjoy each other's company? If you have kids, did you invest in them? Did you show up when you needed to show up? Did you give them your time? Did you honor your father and mother? If you're, on, if you're on the younger side, did you honor your parents, as the fifth commandment says? Does your family continually get the short end of the stick at your house? Do they get that ever-shrinking piece of pie that is your time and affections? If that's true, if any of that resonated with you, perhaps what you need most this year is to reprioritize your family, to put guardrails and fence posts up and protect your family time. Ephesians 5 reminds us that wives are to submit and respect their husband. Husbands are to love and cherish their wife as their body. Children are to obey their parents. Parents are to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Fathers are to lead the home. Wives are to care for the home. So church, don't let your home crumble. Do whatever it takes to reprioritize your family because aside from your relationship with God, there is no other relationship that has the value of your family. Anybody can be somebody to somebody else, but nobody can be a parent to your children. You are the only one. You do that, God will send a revival in your home. That's number seven. Number eight, commit to rest and a sustainable pace. I'm preaching to myself here, okay? In Exodus 18, Moses was found to be shouldering the entire load. It's a whole story. You gotta go read that one. I'm just gonna tell you about it. Moses was meeting with all the, the people of Israel in a big cloud every day. He'd go talk, and, all right, I'm gonna go talk to God. I'll be right back. And then he'd come back all day long, boop, 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 ping pong, back and forth between this big crowd and God. Eventually, Jethro pulled him aside and said, hey man, you can't keep doing this. You're not gonna make it. You're, you're gonna pass out, keel over right here in the desert. You're not gonna make it. At some point in your life, you have to ask yourself, here's a good question. Can I continue doing what I'm doing now with no changes at the same pace that I'm doing it now and continue to make it? Can I keep going? If I didn't make a change and I just kept doing what I'm doing right now and extended it forever, would I survive? Would my family survive? Either you will value rest taking a Sabbath, or you will live in the constant cycle of burnout, recovery, burnout, recovery, burnout, recovery. And guess what? Those little periods of time in between burnout and recovery get shorter and shorter and shorter until eventually it's just every other month, just every other month. God built in to his people Sabbaths and holidays and jubilees and all sorts of mechanisms to prevent people from living unsustainable paces. And they got real serious about the Sabbath. Probably a little too serious by the time Jesus came around. But you get the point. They took it seriously. The point of life is to work hard. The point of life is to work hard, but not so hard as to think, if I don't do it, it can't be done. Believing God is sovereign is the backbone of a good rest. If you burned out last year at some time, anybody say, I burned out last year at some point. Anybody willing to say it? I did. Anybody? If you burned out last year at some time, you are not living at a sustainable pace. Doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means that you will take on more than what you can. But God doesn't give us more than we can handle. <laughs> okay, sure. You can be broken. So you might have to reevaluate yourself because guess what? When you get really tired and you get really burnt, vacation don't save you. Your vacation won't save you. The pace of your life is the only way that you can really prevent burnout. Commit to rest in 2022. Commit to rest. We've all been running hard for since March of 2020. This world hadn't been the same. We're all feeling it. You have got to commit yourself to rest and God will give you personal revival. He did for his people. He did for his people. Number nine, if you're looking for revival, number nine, let go of a grudge that you were holding on to. Is there someone who lives rent-free in your mind? Are you holding something against someone who did something to you well after the fact of when it happened? 
Are you stewing and brewing on something that you would like to move forward from? 2022 is as good a year as any to let go of that grudge that you've been hanging on to for far too long. Now, I understand sometimes pain runs real deep. Sometimes there are wounds that are going to last an entire lifetime because of the severity of what happened. I understand that. I don't pretend to know every situation. However, I do know that there are times in life when we hold on to stuff way too long and it affects us. Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to ask for forgiveness from someone? Because it's really hard to have a personal revival when you're in the middle of holding a grudge. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is a part of the package deal of becoming a Christian. You get forgiven, but you also have to forgive others. That's part of the deal. You didn't know you signed it when you signed the paperwork, but you did. Let your grudge go this year and give it to the Lord and be amazed at the revival he sends you. That's number nine. We're right here at the end. Number 10, if you're looking for personal revival this year, have meaningful accountability. Have meaningful accountability. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You will find at some point in your life that there is a limit to how far you can go by yourself. That's true in a lot of areas of life, but it's really true in your spiritual life. There's a reason Paul likened being kicked out of the church in 1 Corinthians 5 to being handed over to Satan, because that's what going without community is like. You're set up to fail. I remember the report that came out on Ravi Zacharias earlier this year. It was really tough to read, uh, but it says on a few occasions, members of his ministry staff would go to him and say something to the effect of, hey, Ravi, I, I don't think it's wise for you to have a, a young female go alone into your room for a massage late at night, which seems like something you don't need to say. But they said it, and he would verbally wear them out and threaten them and intimidate them. And it became very clear, accountability is not welcome in my life. If people are afraid to have real conversations with you, you are going to miss out on valuable accountability in your life when people that love you can come to you and say, I see something in you and I want to warn you about it. Because when you cut that off from your life, you're cutting off revival. Because that's how things change in your life. Someone loves you, tells you something you need to hear. Don't just attend this church. Don't just attend a Bible study. Become known by people. Become known. Let other people speak into your life. As a Christian, accountability is the seed of revival. So in summary, I've given you 10 elements of jump-starting revival. Prayer, scripture reading, personal holiness, sharing Jesus, investing in your body and mind, investing in delayed gratification, commitment to rest, prioritizing your family, releasing a grudge that you're holding, and receiving accountability. So what is it gonna be? Surely there's some area of your life where you can say, Lord, revive this. Take this and revive it. Perhaps by the Spirit of God, by His grace, He would point out something to us, something to you in the next few moments. And here's how we're going to respond to this. We don't normally respond this way, but we are today going to respond with communion. So you're not going to stand and sing. You're going to have that moment to stew and meditate 
on what is this thing that God would have me do for 2022. And if there's any sin that you've got that's a part of this, that's a part of why you had those problems in 21, you take that and you sacrifice it on the altar and you give it to the Lord and then you take communion and it's over. It's over, okay? That's why we're doing this today. So.